Amen. Can we give him a praise offering once more here this morning? Amen. So good to see you, church family. You may be seated, and if you would, you can go ahead and open up your Bibles, whether you have that uh, in the Bible as the book or uh, on your tablet or on your phone, whatever that may be, you can join me in James chapter number five. To all of our online community out there that's watching with us this morning through Facebook Live or through YouTube, it's always an honor to be able to have you with us. For all of you that's going to be watching this a little bit later on in the day or in the week, we pray that God ministers to your soul as well. It is good to see all of you in person here in the sanctuary. Each week, I think we grow just a little bit more, and so I thank God for that. I'm longing for the day when the church house is full once again, amen, in both services. And so when I know that'll happen, I know it's full because there are many who are watching online, and I, and I thank God for every single one that is, but we're so grateful for all of you that are able to be with us here in church. You know, church, these last several weeks... It has been incredibly difficult just to shut things down. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm not built to operate that way. And I can tell you, this church is not built to operate that way. And so I thank God for his hand of provision that has been upon us. He's taking care of our church spiritually. He's taking care of our people. He's taking care of our finances. He's blessed the church. The church is healthy and the church is strong in so many ways. But I am ready to get everything up and running. Amen. I look forward to get King's Kitchen back going, our clothing closet back going. Uh, we, we are, I believe, here in this place, in Coweta, Oklahoma, uh, to minister to our community in the surrounding area, and uh, we are ready to get back at it in that. We know that God will lead us uh, week to week. I know he is walking with us the entire way. I thank you for taking the journey with us, and I thank you for taking the journey with us as we make a few changes as we move forward in the structure of our church. But uh, you guys are amazing. Thank you for being with us. Let's get into his word. Amen. We are going to conclude the series today, Coming Back Stronger. Week number one, we went into James. Out of adversity comes growth. I don't believe we're completely out of adversity yet. So I would say to you, let's just keep growing. Amen. Week number two, we dealt with the hard stuff, all the things that take place deep within our souls. Week three, we moved over into Acts talked about the early church and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and how we are to live each and every day empowered by God's Holy Spirit. Week number four, strengthened faith is active faith. Week number five, we spoke about the weight of our words. Week number six, last week, we talked about from where we gain wisdom. And I pray that every single one of us seek to gain wisdom from above, godly wisdom, not earthly wisdom, but wisdom that comes from God and God alone. And today, week number seven, as we conclude, we're concluding in the final words of James, uh, his letter to the church. I would simply title today's message this, keep moving forward and go make a difference. Amen. Go make a difference. I believe with this series, this entire series, God has been speaking to us. He's been calling out to us for the church to rise up, to live out our faith, to be renewed, uh, to be refocused, to be strong in every area and just come back as strong as we possibly can in the hour and day in which we live. 
Well, I want to continue on in James' letter today. I'm going to begin reading a little bit in uh, chapter number five. But before we get there, I'm not going to just go verse by verse. You know, we have been for the past several weeks. But if you'll back up just a little bit, James chapter four, verses 11 uh, through 12, you can see there that what James is talking about, he's talking about being careful how we speak to one another, not to judge one another because there's no strength in that and such things would be foolishness if we spoke against each other. So again, James continues to talk about our words and how we use our words. In chapter 4, verses 13 through 17, he talks about living out our faith in a strong way by living in the will of God day to day. Probably the key verse is verse number 13. Because it says, come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. What he is saying right here in this passage is, how can we say that? Because life is uncertain. Who knows what will happen tomorrow? No one except God, right? Because who knew at the beginning of 2020 it was going to look the way that it did right now, right? No one knew, but God knew. It didn't surprise him. So we trust God to lead us day to day. We know that life is short, so why waste the precious time we have been given on things uh, with no eternal value? So James speaks to us, and he's telling us in this portion to keep our mind focused as we gain from the wisdom of God. Then we get into James chapter 5 in the last chapter, and in the first six verses, he's talking to us about being a wise steward with our wealth and not a slave to it. So he tells us we need to be honest. We need to be wise. We need to give to God out of what he has given to us. And I want to say thank you to the church because I believe you understand that message. You can see it in your generosity. I would just say let's keep growing in the area of understanding how to use our wealth to be able to glorify God. Let's never, ever, ever put our trust in our wealth. And let's never, ever, ever put that above anything else. Let's not grab a hold of it and think that's what gives us life. It is important. It is highly valuable valuable and it's okay to pursue the good things that God has for you in your life, but don't become a slave to your dollar. Amen. Become a child of God and trust him and he will provide and he will make a way for you. And that's important as James shares that with the church. Let's pick it up in verse number seven and let's conclude this letter. He says, dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too, you must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. Do not grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. For look, the judge, he is the one standing at the door. Now for examples of patience in suffering, dear brothers and sisters, Look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and he's full of mercy. But most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else. Just say a simple yes or no. Say that you will not sin and be condemned. Again, I will draw your attention because James does it often in his letter. He's talking about how we use our words, what we say, what we do not say, what we commit ourselves to. And so that's highly important for the church. Verse number 13, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? Then you should sing praises. Are any of you sick? 
you should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you also will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. My brothers and my sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many, many sins. In his conclusion, James does not hold anything back. Just as he started, he finishes strong. He continues to challenge and instruct and encourage the church to be strong in who they are in Christ. And I love the way that he writes this, especially in the version in which I'm reading from this morning, the NLT, which I have this entire series. But I love the fact that we saw the term dear brothers and sisters multiple times over. It shows the compassion in which he writes with, the sincerity in which he writes with. Because he's not putting himself above them. He's putting himself with them. He's saying, hey, we are in this together. And that's what I say to you all the time. We are in life together, amen. We're in this journey together right now. And we need one another. So he's not just preaching at them and saying, hey, this is how it's got to be. He's saying, guys, let's all work together and learn from God's wisdom. Let's learn from what the Holy Spirit is doing inside of our lives. And to Together, let's receive this. His letter is written in such a way that personally you can take it, you can apply it, and you can be stronger as an individual. But it's also written in a manner that a family can take it and read it together and learn as a family. And that family unit itself can be stronger and powerful in the name of Jesus Christ. But then, of course, he's writing it to the church because he wants the church to be strong together as we face all of life's issues, as we face the political climate that we are in as we face the pandemic that we're in, as we face the chaos that we're in, as we face an unbelieving world. He wants us to be stronger together because our voice needs to be heard. Our compassion of Jesus needs to be seen. People need to see the church on fire and passionate for Jesus Christ. Amen. So I love the way that he writes this because he just throws himself in the middle with them and says, hey, let's let God do a work in all of us. As we conclude this, there's just three things that I want to share with you that I see in this reading here this morning that I think is relevant for you and I today. In coming back stronger, let's move forward with patience, but also with expectation. Now think about it, how he writes this, especially in verses 7 through 12. He reminds the church of the Lord's coming three times. Verse number 7, he says, be patient, therefore, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. Verse 8, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Verse 9, behold the judge, he is standing at the door. You see, church, James believed in the Lord's return, and he lived his life as if Jesus would return at any time during his lifetime. 
And whenever he spoke, he encouraged the church to do the same. The Apostle Paul, he was much the same way. When you read his letters, he truly believed that Jesus was going to return during his time, as did all the disciples. Now, you and I know that that has not happened just yet, but we learn from this because what it's showing us is that we should have an expectation today that Jesus Christ could return at any moment. Now, it seems we don't hear that message as much. It seems like people stray away from it a little bit. Maybe because they, they got tired of hearing it. I don't know. Maybe because it just didn't make sense. Maybe there was a misunderstanding or maybe they just thought, well, I'm just not sure if it's relevant. Can I tell you, no matter the case, the truth is at some point, at some time, Jesus Christ is returning for his church. If you believe that Jesus came in a manger and that you believe he was born in that humility and he came as a baby and he was raised up and he went to the cross and he died and he rose again and he ascended back into heaven. If you believe all of that, then you got to believe in the end of the story. And the end of the story is that he is coming back for his people. We could be, we could not be. I don't know the answer to that, but I do know this truth. Someday Jesus is going to call his people home. When you have that inside of you, it has this expectation that says, all right, that's why we do what we do. That's why we pray. That's why we have church. That's why we gather. That's why we make disciples. That's why we grow in the Lord. That's why we share our testimonies because we want everyone to know Jesus Christ. We want the sinner to be saved. We want the unbeliever to believe. We want lives to be restored. That's truly what it comes down to is that we want people to know Jesus because we don't want them to miss out on eternity, right? So having that in the forefront of your mind, it gives you this expectation. And we must understand that we know the truth. Even though it has not happened, Jesus could return at any time. We can go to Matthew chapter 24. It talks about the birth pains. It talks about the signs of the times. And it talks about there will be division in religion. There will be nation against nation. There will be disasters and diseases that will increase worldwide. There's going to be a persecution of Christians and their voice and their truth and what they believe in. There's also going to be a gospel that's preached throughout the world. I don't know about you. I know the disciples. Uh, and even when the church began, when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them, when the last hour began... I don't know about you, but it sure sounds like we're living in that day right now, right? We're living in that day. So I know it is a tremendous thought. And sometimes when you just slow down and you think about it, it's kind of hard to fully comprehend. The church, I want to tell you this morning, Jesus could return at any time. So let's live with that expectation. But here's the thing. For years, I watched Christians do this. They would say that, but they would say it almost in a sense of fear. And even to cause fear or to live in fear, they'd be like, oh, oh, things are happening. Jesus is returning. Jesus is returning. I've even seen people put things, you know, on social media where they're oh, Jesus is returning. Things are, things are happening. And they, they almost write it in a sense of fear. Can I tell you, there is nothing fearful about the return of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, about week number four of the pandemic, I was like, today ought to be the day, Jesus. Just come on right now. Right? Come on right now. And then sometimes when you're watching all the things that's going on in the political world, I'm thinking, Jesus, this would be a great moment right now just to call us on home. I know we're having a little fun with that, but let's be honest. It's not a fearful thing. Now, we don't want anyone to perish. We don't want our loved ones to perish. We don't want anyone to slip uh, into eternity into a Satan's hell. We don't want that for anybody. But for the Christian, there ought to be this expectation and not a fear that you better believe it. Jesus could come at any time. 
So let's have that on our minds. Let's have that on our hearts. And let's continue to be who God has called us to be in a very strong way. And that's what James is doing. They're in the middle of trial. Remember who he's writing to. They're in the middle of trial. They're having these issues on the outside. They're having these issues on the inside. They've got their own political turmoil that's taken place. There is so much going on, and James just writes to him here in the conclusion of his letter. He says, now, come on, guys, let's get our minds focused, because just know the judge, he's the one at the door. He'll take care of all the rights and all the wrongs. You just keep focused and keep living for Jesus and proclaim his message. That's what he's encouraging the church to do. But now with this expectation this patience, he brings it in a sense that, yes, have patience because there are going to be those seasons of hardships, just like you're in, and there will be more. And you look at this closely. James used two different words for patience. In verses 7, 8, and 10, it's translated from a Greek word meaning long temper. In verse number 11, it's translated from a Greek word saying to remain under to remain under these trials and to bear these trials, to have this sense of fortitude. And it speaks of it, of endurance under great stress. So what does that mean for you and I? Let's put it in very simple form here this morning. There are times in our life where we're going to feel the pressure and the heaviness of it, and we probably feel like just running away from it all. There's probably times like, I just want to get isolated. I want to get away from it. Specifically here for his audience, some of them were going to run away from the new truth that they had found. Some of them were going to run away from the truth of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, there may be individuals in the church world today, they're like, I don't know. I don't see answers. I don't see God moving. And you feel this heaviness and you're taking it in a very personal way. And you're like, I just want to run away from it all. There may be a husband or a wife that's in a very uh, tough situation at home and it seems like the atmosphere just gets worse and worse and worse and you just want to run away from it. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe your finances has crashed along with what's happening in the season we're in right now. Maybe there's just a lot of things that's really coming up against you. There's this sense maybe that tries to rise up and say, I just want to run away from it all. James is talking to the church and he says, stay put, stand strong and trust God to see you through. Even though you feel like running away from it all at times, don't run away, stay put, stand strong, and allow God to give you the wisdom and the strength to get you to the finish line. Amen. So he speaks this word into them. He says, guys, this is not the, now he probably didn't say guys because that's said today's term. He said, church, church, now's not the time to go backwards. Now's not the time to give up or to give in. Now's not the time to say it's someone else's turn to lead. Now's not the time to isolate yourself. Now's not the time to say, you know what, I just don't know if I can do it any longer. Now is the time, the most important time to say, you know what, God, you've never failed me. You've never left me. You've never forsaken me. And you never will. All your promises hold true. You are always faithful. I believe in Jesus, the Son of God. I believe in the cross of Calvary. I believe in the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the truth of your word. I believe in the empowering that you give each and every day of our lives. I believe that you are the creator of all things. I believe that you can even take the bad and you can turn it around for good. I believe that you can grow in adversity. I believe that when my faith is weak, that you are strong. And even when I'm at my lowest, you are always at your highest and you will always see me through. That is the God I serve, so I will endure to the end, and I will go in the direction in which you are taking me in. Amen? 
that's what God is using this letter, I believe, to speak to us in our lives. I love the way that he finishes uh, this letter. So when we feel like we just maybe, man, I've done all I can do. No. Maybe you have, but God's just getting started. Amen. Amen. So hold on with him. I love the examples that he uses here. Let's look at those real quick. The farmer. He helps us illustrate a patience and an expectation and how that kind of works together. A farmer. I love farmers. You guys that know me, I'm a farm boy at heart, right? Learn so much from them. Working the field, the seasons that they have to go through, cultivating the soil, the planting, the waiting, all believing that there's going to be a harvest. All of that relates to our spiritual lives. As we patiently endure difficult seasons, we know that God is producing an abundance, a harvest for us to be able to enjoy. Now, keep in mind, because I think this is very good that James presents this. Keep in mind the thought here that he has presented that Jesus is returning. Well, what do we learn from the farmer? He doesn't stand around just doing nothing. But every day, he rises early. He goes to work. He does what he's supposed to be doing. And I say he, it could be a she, all right? There are she farmers and he farmers. All right, anyway. But you know what I say. That. I'm saying all inclusive. Yeah. Gets up, does what he's supposed to do. Because if he doesn't do anything, he just waits in expectation. That's not going to be healthy for anybody, right? He just keeps building the harvest. He keeps working. He keeps serving. That speaks so much to us because we're not the Christian that's just going to hide and isolate ourselves and just wait for the return of the Lord like some would like to do. Let's just not do anything. Let's just stay in our home and just wait for the Lord to return. No, we've got to be out there on the front lines doing what God has called us to do. And that's what James is speaking here into the church. Love that example, the farmer. The prophets, talking about patience during enduring, uh, enduring patience. Many of the prophets, we know they had to endure great trials and sufferings. We read of them in the Old Testament. It wasn't because of their sin. It wasn't because of their unfaithfulness. But it was actually because of their obedience to the call of God and to their faithfulness to him that they went through much. Now, James reminds the church that no matter what you face here on earth, keep witnessing as the prophets did. Keep speaking the truth and keep living out your faith. I immediately go to Jeremiah, because if you know Jeremiah, you know that he pretty much preached for many years, and it was though no one was listening. I mean, he preached his heart out. He poured himself out every day, and it was like it was falling on deaf ears. But yet, he believed for a harvest. He believed for things to turn around. He saw something that they couldn't see. Perhaps he didn't know how it was all going to unfold, but he was proclaiming that Jesus Christ would come and that Jesus Christ would change it all. And so, yes, he just preached and preached and preached. Basically, he was preaching to an empty congregation all the time, but yet he never stopped. He persevered, and because of that, he is seen as a great man of God because he hung in there and lived out his faith. Then there's Job's story. James mentions Job, one of the greatest examples ever given of a believer's trial and suffering. Now, I always like to say this when I talk about Job for just a moment. I've heard individuals say before, man, I feel like Job. <laughs> Can I tell you, if you ever use that phrase, you better hold on. Don't use that phrase lightly. Amen. I'm going to be transparent with you. I have never, ever b- believe I've been at a point where I felt like Job. And I hope to God I never do. <laughs> right? Because his story is intense, how God allowed Satan to attack him and take everything away from him. But yet he hung on. And I know when you, if you know that story well, and you go back and you read it, you will see there's that moment where it seems like he's about to break. His humanity is about to break. And it feels like he's just about to 
give in to throw in the towel. I mean, he certainly had his good friends around him that meant well, that wasn't really doing much good and helping him. And so you see that story and you see he comes to almost his breaking point. But right when he's at his breaking point, that's when God fulfills his promise because he wasn't going to let Satan take his life. He wasn't going to let Satan destroy him. He was going to let him take as much as he possibly could take to prove to Satan that this is a man of God. And at the right moment, at the right time, when God saw best, he spoke to Job. Job heard his voice. He said, Job, brace yourself like a man. Job, listen. He sat up straight and his life got restored in abundance. It is a powerful, powerful story. What does that teach you and I? It teaches that God is always working. He's working in our lives. He's working behind the scenes. That no matter what we go through in life, if we'll just continue to trust him, even when we don't understand, even when we can't even see it all, even when things happen that are just outside of our control, if we will trust him, I believe God wants to put it back together. God wants to save and forgive and heal and restore and give life. That's who he is. I said it a few days ago. If you're, if you're with us on Facebook Live on Wednesdays, Michelle and I, we were just talking. I said, Michelle, and of course the staff, I've used this phrase a couple of times. They're like, Pastor, don't say that. It sounds like you're about to leave us here on earth, you know, about to pass away. Because I'm like, in the last half of my life, I'm 49, okay? And so I really don't want to live past 100. I want to go see Jesus at some point sometime, you know? And so, but I'm just saying in the last half in ministry and just looking at it all, just had a birthday and I'm looking at it all. I'm like, Lord, more than ever, I just want people to hear the gospel of grace. I want them to be healed. I want them to be restored. When I say healed, not just physically, I want you to be healed in your soul, healed in your heart. I am tired of the brokenness. I'm tired of the division. I'm tired of the bitterness. I'm tired of families being ripped apart. I'm tired of marriages being ripped apart. I'm tired of our children being ripped apart. I'm tired of our young people walking away from the truth of God. I'm ready to see people restored in the name of Jesus Christ, to be healed, to make whole, to be healthy, so they can be strong and be a light, not afflict light, but a shining light that is bright for Christ, that people can see the truth and the power of God. Amen. I should have brought my hanky because I feel like I'm got a lot going on there. All right. I'm just wanting to see people have that wholeness of God working in their lives. Now, going back here, James to the church. Church, don't go backwards. Don't go back to the old way of doing things. Don't leave the church. Don't get caught up in this new thinking and these new ideals. Don't find yourself in the, in the city squares and you're debating uh, theology that has no truth or eternal value. Make sure that you're staying in tune with Christ and allowing him to strengthen you and empower you and restore you and heal you. That's who you are. I pray we do the same. I simply write, there can be no victories without battles and no mountaintops without going through the valleys. Keep moving forward with a strong faith, focused, and with an enduring patience within. Then the last thing I'll give you, I've got to get a Kleenex. All right. Okay, I'm sorry. For those of you online, be thankful you're not close up. All right. Okay, sorry. The last one, coming back stronger. Move forward with prayers defined. Oh, actually, it's not the last one. I got another one. Move forward with prayers defined as powerful and effective. James 5, 13 and 18, there are two statements that really stand out to us. The prayer of faith and the prayer of a righteous person. 
and I really want you to receive this this morning. Because this is where, this is a passage where I've seen people, and I used it in the first service, and I don't know if it's the right word, but it's there again, so I'm going to use it. I see kind of people cower down a little bit when they get to this passage. What is the prayer of faith? What's believing God can do all things, and it's seeking his will. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 says, And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. Did you catch the key phrase in there? When we're asking that it's pleasing to him. When we're in his will and we're asking things in his will, man, we're going to see incredible things happen, right? But then here's the part where I see people kind of back down a little bit. The prayer of a righteous person. When you hear the word righteous, and here's what I truly believe. I don't believe there's a lot of pride before me. I believe there's a lot of humility before me. I know many of you personally. I don't know everyone personally. But you're humble and you're gentle and you're kind. So perhaps you maybe you're like me. You hear that word righteous and you're like, well, now wait a minute. I don't want to put myself in that position. I'm not perfect. I'm not going to act to be perfect. I'm not going to claim to be perfect in any way. So that word can kind of maybe cause us to kind of cower just a little bit. Well, what does righteous mean? It simply means to be right with God. And being right with God only comes through Christ. You go back to the teaching in Romans chapter 5, verse number 19. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, which was Jesus, many is going to be made righteous. So the righteous person is the one who genuinely believes in God and is walking in a genuine faith, in a relationship with him. Yes, Elijah was mentioned. It says that he was just like us and said he prayed fervently. He believed God with a passionate faith. And when he did, he saw God do some pretty miraculous things. And when I look at all of that, that's what coming back stronger is all about. It's about stepping up in your faith, trusting and believing God, being able to pray, know God hears, know God answers, and know God's going to move in a powerful way. Now, here's a question I wrote down. Who here today in this sanctuary, and who out there online, who listening today has the potential to pray powerful and effective prayers? Is it just a select few? I'm going to say no. It's going to be every single person who chooses Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So here's how I read this as James writes to the church. He's not saying just the prayers of the pastor or just the prayers of the deacons. Now, we do come together because he says that. We come together. We have the elders of the church. We grab the anointing oil. We lay hands upon you. We pray over you. There is power in that, and there's nothing negating that. But what he's telling every believer is that you have the ability to have powerful and effective prayers. You have the ability to communicate with God. You don't need a man or a woman standing between you. You don't need a priest. You don't need an individual. You can go directly to God and he hears and he answers and he wants you to pray in such a manner. Because church, when I read this, here's where my mind goes to. Who should be praying for your spouse? You, right? Husband should be praying for wife. Wife should be praying for husband. Who should be the first ones praying over their children? Who should be praying the word of God over their children? Who should be singing over their children? Whose prayers ought to be powerful and effective when it comes to your children? It's got to be mom and dad, right? And then the grandparents, we get to come in on that. And then the church gets to come in on that. And then we're all a part of that. But it starts with you. When it comes to your life and your issues and your job and your finances and the atmosphere of your 
home and in your relationships. Don't rely on the prayer of others. First and foremost, you go to the Lord and know that your prayer is powerful and effective because you are in a right relationship with God. And if you're not in a right relationship with God, Pastor Steve's going to ask you, then what are you doing? Right? Because if you're always going and asking somebody else to pray for you because you're not in a right relationship with God, what's eternity going to look like for you? Because let's get right with God. Let's be where he wants us to be. And then as we are, let's rise up strong in our faith. And then let's put that faith to action. That's why I love the way James finishes this because the whole book is about faith and action. We believe we trust, now we're going to pray. And when we pray, we're not going to go through the motion. We're going to pray. That prayer is going to be heard. That prayer is going to be answered. It's going to be powerful and effective. Why? Not because of us, but because of who Jesus is inside of us. So it's a powerful, powerful word that he gives the church here. All right. As we move forward, let me just give you the last one. In coming back stronger, move forward with a passion to reach the lost. Verses 19 and 20. Specifically, James is referring to those who have been on a path of spiritual decline. They've strayed away from the truth of God's word. That's a dangerous path for them to be on. So James calls to the church and he says, let's bring our brothers and sisters back to the place and where they should be. Who's the one strained? Who's the one who's lost? It's the one who walks away from the truth of God. And they need Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior. So I love the way this, this ends because when it comes down to it, again, isn't that what our faith is all about? Is people coming to know Jesus. As we get ready to pray and as I wrap up this series, I would wrap it up as such. As we walk through seasons of adversity and there's gonna be more, let's just keep growing in our faith. As we grow in our faith, Let's keep dealing with those temptations and struggles that we have within because we all have them. And let's allow God to continue to purify us within. And let's deal with some sin. I've talked to way too many individuals. They're allowing sin to get the best of them. And it's destroying their life. It's destroying their home. It's destroying their relationships. Can I tell you, if you're bound by sin, Jesus can set you free this morning. He can set you free from whatever bondage that uh, that is. And let's deal with it. Because if we don't deal with it, we're just fooling ourselves. With each step forward, let's be led by the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Let's walk in the power in which he's given us. Let's let our faith be evident. Let's let it be demonstrated in our words and in our actions. Let the weight of our words, let's let our words be powerful and life-giving. Church, in the hour in which we live, the world needs to hear your voice. Don't just be a silent majority. Let the world hear your voice. Let them hear your truth. Let them hear your boldness. Let them hear your courage. But let them hear it in a way that it's coming from the very presence of God. In other words, let it be kind. Let it be powerful but let it be kind, let it be gentle, let it be truthful, let it be all the things that it's supposed to be. Let God govern how you use those words. So in other words, don't just spurt it out there. Think about it, pray over it before you say it, but please don't be silenced in the day and hour in which we live. Everyone else is talking and I believe the greatest voice ought to be the voice of the church. Those who are putting their trust in God. So, but let your words be powerful and life-giving. 
Cultivate wisdom from above because that's going to help you with your choice of words. I don't know why I just keep going back to it. James went back to it many times. I got to stay here just for a second. I myself know what the struggle is. I know what that struggle is with your words sometimes because it's just inside of you and you're just at a boiling point and it just spills out, right? Sometimes it doesn't come out the way in which it should. But let me tell you, if you'll follow what James is telling the church, he's saying, be bold, be strong, be loud, let him hear it. But let's make sure we're getting it from the wisdom of God. Amen. It'll always work. Keep moving forward. Rise up in your faith. Minister. Serve. Love. Share the gospel. And go make a difference in the community in which you live. I told you earlier, I'm ready to open things up completely, right? I'm ready to minister to people that are in need of a hot meal, that are in need of some clothes, that are in need of a hug, that are in need of some encouragement, that are in need of some truth. We're not built. Kuwait Assembly is not built just to kind of sit here and wait and do nothing. Kuwait Assembly is built to move out and to move forward in the name of Jesus, right? So let's do that. Let's rise up as individuals. Let's rise up as families. Let's rise up and be as strong as we possibly can be as God renews our strength each and every day. So with this series, I'll leave you with this. I pray you've been challenged. I pray you've been changed. And I pray every day that you will be stronger in who you are in Christ. Let me pray over you. Father, I thank you for my church family. What an honor it is to be their pastor and to stand before them each and every week and to stand with them side by side and just serving you. I thank you, Father, for my church family that is here in person. And I thank you for all of my church family that is watching online. I thank you, Father, for those that have just been intrigued and they've been joining us for our messages and our songs and our prayer times together. I thank you, Father, Lord, for all of us as we come together. You're so good in every way. Lord, I pray specifically over my dear brothers and sisters this morning. I pray, Father, Lord, that your presence is rich in their lives. I pray that today on this Sunday that they are being strengthened, encouraged, and built within. I pray their mind and their focus, God, is being renewed. I pray that physically, spiritually, emotionally, in every way that, God, they are growing stronger within their lives. Father, Lord, I pray over, Father, Lord, their homes. I pray over their health. I pray over their relationships. I pray over their finances and their needs. I pray that, Father, Lord, there is an abundance of your provision and then some upon each and every home. I pray, Father, Lord, God, that we walk with you, that we learn from you, that we continue, Father, Lord, to grow and move forward in the power of God. I pray in the name of Jesus for every individual heart and mind. I pray that they are whole and they are healthy. I pray the relationship with you is spot on. I pray that, Father, Lord God, there is just your presence, God, dwelling within them in a powerful way. I pray, Father, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, that every day they're gaining wisdom from the Holy Spirit 
And God, Father, Lord, they're just whole, they're healthy in every part of their being. God, I pray over my church family. I pray over my brothers and sisters, my friends. That, Father, Lord, that just in you, in you, they feel your presence and your strength and your power and your working. In Jesus' name, for all the private requests and all the things that are going on in their lives, as they give them to you, I know you hear and you answer and you'll minister to each one. God, as we close out this series and as we close out this specific Sunday, I pray every person here, God, has been refreshed within their spirit. And I pray no one leaves here, God, if they feel like there is a prayer unprayed, then may they stay, Father Lord, and allow you to work in their lives. Any request, any need, whatever it may be, may we not leave here, God, until we feel as though the Holy Spirit has completed that work within us. Father, for those that are just going to stay and worship for a while, just keep pouring into them and keep loving on them. For every one of my friends and family got online right now, right where they're at, minister deep within their souls right now. God, I thank you and I praise you. We love you so much. You're so good. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to pray a prayer of salvation specifically for those that are here and for those watching because I truly believe that God is doing a work inside of many individuals. So the way that I want to do this here this morning is I want to pray that prayer in church family out of encouragement. I'd like for you to pray that prayer with me. And as we pray that prayer together, I believe there are individuals in this sanctuary right here. You're going to pray that prayer and Jesus is going to be the Lord and Savior of your life. I believe there are many that are going to be watching online. I'm just going to believe and I'm going to believe that they hear it and they respond and that God's, it's not my word, it's God's word that does a work inside their lives. So everyone online, if you say this prayer and you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you're on the path of salvation. I want to pray that prayer. And if you pray that prayer this morning, I would love to be able to pray with you personally afterwards. So I'm going to stick around and I'd love just to be able to just pray with you for a moment. I won't keep you long. I know you got things to do today. I just would love to be able to just to be able to pray with you. And if anybody's online and you're praying this prayer, feel free to call the church. Contact us. All of our information is right there before you. We would love to be able to pray with you and love to be able to talk with you. I believe God's done an awesome work. Amen. Would you pray this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, I believe in you. And I ask you, forgive me of all my sin. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Thank you for accepting me as I am. And thank you for working in me each and every day. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me, for I am a child of God. Can we give him a praise here this morning? Amen for all those. Amen. Amen.